right. Wow, that was fun. Worshiping the Lord, reminding each other in our singing that he holds it all together. We're so glad that you're here, especially those of you watching online, wherever you are. Lots of people in the room today. We're so glad to see you all, and uh, we're excited about this. Grab your Bible. If you're at home, you can see the QR code there if you want to drop in and just tell us uh, how we can serve you in any way. There's also a QR code there that will help you dive into the sermon. Uh, as you will see resources all around our sermons and questions to ask, small groups you can jump into and use this as a guide even in your devotional guide or, or time with the Lord this week to jump deeper into a big topic today. Big, big topic. So we just hope you'll just drop into the chat and tell us what you're learning or praise the Lord together as we're in this together. You matter to us and we're all in this together. So I was, uh, was kind of late teenage years. I was driving my dad's car and it was raining. I was going to a friend's house and I came around this, uh, this turn. You can probably guess where this story's heading. Um, and I, I was going a little too fast, kids. Um, going a little too fast around in the rain in particular. And I started to hydroplane. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I'd, I'd seen it, read about it or heard about it like in driver's ed or something. Started a hydroplane where I had no control over the car at all. Like I could have turned, I mean, I, I was braking and I was just in an instant, I was off the road going down in, down this hill into somebody's front yard and I was just going across the yard and, uh, it was raining really hard and, and I was going, I'm going to run, I'm going right into this tree. The one tree, like this big giant tree in the middle of the yard. I'm going to hit the tree. The things that go through your mind, if you've ever been in a wreck like this and, and sure enough, bam, I hit it straight on. Messed the car up big time. I was okay, except for my ego. I walked to the front door of these people's house and, uh, hey, sorry, that's my car right there in your front yard. And it's right, you know, like, how did this happen? And I need to call my dad, you know, sorry, come get, help me out. And I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that where you're like, who's, you know, nobody's driving this thing right now. And I know you can say, well, Jeff, no, you're driving actually. But no, I, I had no control. And you, know, you don't have to be in a car or a wreck to experience that. Uh, it can happen in your own life. Do you ever feel like your life is out of control? Like, what is it? Jesus, take the wheel, you know, or nobody's got the wheel. I think a lot of us experienced this this past year, certainly through 2020, right? Through the pandemic, we experienced this kind of, okay, my life was going along this way. And how about this? Globally, we experienced this. Everything's moving along. Then bam, no, we're going this direction. And our whole lives, like nobody's got the wheel. Nobody's in control of this thing. This is out of control. You ever feel that way? Again, it doesn't take a pandemic to, to feel that way. We experience that in our lives personally. Today, we're going to talk about the big topic of the sovereignty of God, that he's in control of everything, that he actually is at the wheel, even when we can't seem to figure out what's going on or when it doesn't really make sense. So of all the different attributes we're talking about today, we're talking about God's sovereignty. Now, there's two words here. They're kind of interchangeable. I'm going to set this up before we get to Romans 8. By the way, if you want to turn there. Um, sovereignty is God's complete control, direction over all things. That he reigns and rules. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. His providence, okay, that's another word you've heard. Um, it could be interchangeable there. But providence actually comes from a Latin word that, that is pro vide. Okay, so pro, ahead of time or in front of. And then vide is, is to see. So God sees, like he's out front seeing everything, but it's even more than that. His providence is kind of his loving care, uh, you know, within his sovereignty. All right, so the attribute of his all 
loving, you know, omnibenevolence, we call it, with his all powerful, omnipotent, and he's all knowing, he's omniscient. So it, you could say it this way his providence is his sovereignty in the service of his wise, when we're talking about that today, and good purposes. So our whole ministry team, and I've challenged some of our leaders to read the book, uh, The Knowledge of the Holy. If you want to jump in with us, um, go ahead and get that book. It's a, it's a great book. It'll go right alongside this series. We also have a lot of resources online, books to read during this, this series, and for your kids, for all ages. So check that out online if you haven't. Lots of work has gone into that for you, for us to continue to disciple each other and even some self-discipleship along the way. Tozer says this. God's sovereignty is the attribute by which he rules his entire creation. And to be sovereign, watch this, God must be all-knowing, all-powerful, and absolutely free. Now that last piece we'll talk about a little bit. He goes on, listen to this. If one datum of knowledge, however small, okay, is unknown to God, his rule would break down at that point. And if God were lacking one infinitesimal modicum of power, that lack would end his reign and undo his kingdom. The one stray atom of power would belong to someone else and God would be limited. He'd be a limited ruler and hence not sovereign. Now think about this. Tozer is saying, and I think scripture bears this out. God is, is in control. He's holding everything together, even to the smallest atom on the planet. Now, I don't know if you really believe that. And if not, you're probably thinking, I don't know, because life seems out of control a lot of the time. I want us to address that today. So his sovereignty, again, is that's omniscience. We gotta, if you haven't watched the series of messaging, go back and, and catch up, because so much of it centers around his omniscience and his, his, um, his, his, omni, his omnipotent uh, potency, his, his omnipotence. He's all-knowing, okay, so he knows everything. You can't teach him anything. You can't show him something he doesn't already, hasn't already seen. He stands outside of time, we said. So he, he, he sees our tomorrows just as clear as he sees our yesterdays. And this blows our minds. He's not just at the beginning or the end. He's right in the middle of it all, as we'll see today. And not only that, he knows all things. He is all powerful, which means he can do anything. And, and nothing takes any effort for him to do it. He doesn't need to replenish power having done something. He does everything without effort, all right? But one of the traits of God we don't talk a lot about, we don't use this word a lot, but in theology, it's called his aseity, aseity. It's another Latin term, and it means uh, from self. Aseity means that God is independent, totally free, doesn't depend on anything or anyone. Now, you and I like to think that we do. I mean, that we're, we're independent. And so, you know, we run our lives, I can make choices and not a whole lot of consequences if I do this or this or this. And we feel like we're so independent, especially here in America. We're just free to do, live like we want to live. Freedom becomes this core value. But you know what? You're not as dependent as you think you are. We are completely dependent to be alive today. Think about it. There's a, there's a, uh, your heart is beating in your chest right now. And, and as we'll see today, that no, no strings attached, no plug, no cords. God is doing that. We are dependent. You weren't even thinking about your heart beating, right? We need to breathe air in order to live. You had to eat some food, I think, recently. You had to sleep last night in order to be here. We are constantly dependent on other things. God is completely free, not dependent on anything. 
And so as we think about his sovereignty, we've got to think about how he's absolutely free to reign and rule any way he wants to by his good and loving care. So Romans 8 is where we're going to be a great passage of scripture. And today I want you to see that God's sovereignty holds all things together, works all things together, and ultimately brings all things together. And my hope is that you're going to be so encouraged today. Trust the Lord more with whatever you're challenging or challenged with. So if you want to think about Something you're going through right now. It's an area of your life like this totally out of control or I didn't see this coming or gosh, I wish this would change. I want you to bring that before the Lord today, okay? So first thing I want you to see is that God holds all things together. He upholds and he sustains all things. Paul has been, to place this in context, he's been talking about the gospel, basically, what Christ has done for us. He's talking about uh, life in the spirit. He's talking about how we're, we're gonna live as heirs with Christ and then he moves on to Our future glory, he calls it. Watch this, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory, there's the word, that is to be revealed to us, okay? So the first thing I want you to see, Paul is saying we're part of a bigger story. We can talk a long time about this. The story you find yourself in, the narrative that you believe about life is, is, you could argue, the biggest thing about you. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we first think of God, when we think of him, is the most important thing about us. And so if we understand the biblical God, we are in a story. He's comparing the here and now to where all things are heading in the future. If we understand this, this is salvation history is what it is, redemptive story. This changes everything. And he says, where everything is going, the future is coming to what he calls glory, which we know is God's perfection, his beauty, his power. It's like the core of his holiness, his great attribute, all things perfect and right. And so all things are heading to this glory. What is this glory that is to be revealed? Well, he tells us, look at verse 19 for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons. And that's a, that's a non-gender word, sons and daughters of God. Wait, what? So Everything is heading God's glory. His perfection, his beauty is revealed primarily through his sons and daughters someday. So rightly understood, watch this. All creation is watching, waiting for you and for me to be revealed. It's going to be the big reveal someday. It's going to involve you and me. Like you're like, wait, what? Let's, Let's think about this. Let's, let's keep unpacking. The, look at verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That, that would be God, okay, and as a result of the fall, we'll see. In hope, okay, certainty of his sovereignty of a future to come, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Again, we're like, wait, what is happening here? All of creation, originally good, okay, has been impacted by the fall. By decisions that we have made, you can say Adam and Eve made, but we have made against God. God reigns it all in, creation and creatures. We are ready until we're ready to be released in a time that is coming, okay? Uh, 1 John 3 verse 2 says it this way on a personal level. We're God's children now But who we are becoming and will be someday has not yet been revealed. And he says, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. 
We've talked about this before. When we see him face to face, we behold Jesus, we're going to be transformed. All of us now heading that way, living, right? Our lives focused on him, being transformed by him. Ultimately, he's going to finish what he started in you and in me. And all of creation is waiting and watching. He holds all things together in the meantime. And I want us to talk about this for a moment. Because one of my favorite passages in scripture, it helps us here. It's in Job uh, chapter 38 through 40. We don't have time to go there. Uh, I'll draw from it. But if you want to read a really amazing passage of scripture today, this afternoon, read Job 38 through 40. Long before there was planet Earth, okay? If you love that kind of sequence of just one worship scene after another. When you look at creation, we've talked about this, you see God. And you see his qualities and his attributes and his power in creation. Well, in the book of Job, you know that he goes through a lot of suffering and he's got his friends who really don't know God. I mean, they're, they're basically saying, you know, that, that, that God only responds if you're right and good. And, and if you, you know, you must have done something wrong and a lot of theology that some of us have even today. And, and he's getting a lot of noise. Job's getting a lot and he's wanting to be a good man through his suffering life of incredible suffering. And he's getting a lot of opinions coming at him. I mean, I mean, like, like, like we experience today. Everybody's got an opinion, a lot of noise coming. And, and he says, I, I don't know. And he's, he's asking God what's going on, what's happening here. And then God, then in one of my favorite passages, he takes him on a, on a virtual tour of the universe. And he does this because he wants Job to see, if you, if you understand how I'm caring for creation, you might trust me with the details of your life is what he's doing. And so in uh, chapter 38 of Job, it says this. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, the craziness of life, and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And he could say, Job, like, wait, 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 who are you? But I think also his friends, who are these philosophers, all these people telling you what's up? Everybody's got an opinion, all the commentators. What is all this counsel without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. He's saying, put on your big boy pants now. Because now you've been asking me, I will question you and you make it known to me. Now God is loving, but he's kind of saying, okay, let me ask you some questions. And so then he goes into this long thing and you, maybe you know the passage, but I love that. He goes, where were you when I created the world? Like, do you know how big the earth is? Can you measure it? I know exactly, but you know, where were you when I put the stars out there, put the planets in place? And where, were you, where does light come from? Can you figure that? Do you know what light is all about? Who can figure this out? I'm the one who brings it all. Do you know where the storehouses of snow are? Do you know how this works? Even today, you, are you going to watch the, the clouds come together? Are you doing this? Do you understand the details of how I'm caring for everything? Do you understand how now, right now, I've talked about this, how, how he, and he even says this. He says, are you guiding the bear with her cubs up in the mountains right now? Or the mountain goats? Are you seeing them give birth? Because I'm watching every bit of this. I'm holding it all together. Do you see the stallion, the strength of a lion? I'm the one who created. Do you know anything about this? And he's taking him all around the world. You see the hawk soar or where the eagle mounts on high and, and, and places his nest so high above all things. Who are you? And again, he's kind of saying like, who, who's your daddy? What's up with you, Job? Do you really know anything going on? I just want you to see this. And then at the end of it all, two, three chapters later, Job responds this way. Behold, I am of small account. Like he's, he's like, okay, I've been right sized. I get it. What shall, I, what shall I answer you? I have no answers for all of this. I get it. I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once. 
I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And he's like, game over, uncle, I'm done. I spoke once, at least once too many times. And then what's funny, I think it's kind of funny, God's not done. He goes, okay, boy, listen, you might be done. I'm not done. Dress like a man. He says it again. Let's go. And then he goes kind of into round two and he's got all these questions and, and, and it's as if he's saying to us, listen, I'm caring for all of creation in details and ways you don't even know. And here's what's happening. Your heart is beating in your chest right now because I am in control of your life. I know when, when life begins. I will name when life ends. I'm in control of every detail of your life. Flowers and trees, right? The little, and he goes on about the ostrich. The ostrich buries the egg in the sand and then he runs off. She and doesn't remember where she buried the egg. And it's just crazy stuff. Like my dog right now doing dog things. Uh, cats are doing cat things, the flowers and the trees and all that God's created. Babies are being born. Rain is supposed to come today. God is doing all of this. He holds all things together. And he's telling us today, like he's telling Job, I'm in control of your life. You can trust me. If you can trust me with all this, you can trust me with your little life. And I, and I want us to be encouraged today. Thomas Aquinas, who was the great uh, Catholic father scholar of all scholars, um, in the Catholic church, he, he, he wrote this for God to, um, annihilate creation. It wouldn't be an action on his part, but a cessation of action. Think about that. He would just stop. My heart would stop beating. Bam. Yours would stop beating. Bam. We would all die. All of creation would be destroyed. If he just said, I'm out. And, and because he's caring for everything. And yet, it's not the deist clock that he's set out there and said, there it goes. Okay, that's all gone. He is intimately involved in all of it. So how does this work? We want to talk about this today. Colossians 1.17 even says, he's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's holding everything together. So he would say to you, listen, like Job, you're going to need a God like me. You're going to need me today. You're going to need me tomorrow because I'm not just at the beginning. I'm not just at the end. I'm right here in the middle. I am Jehovah in the middle. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I am the provider in the middle. Whatever you're going through, through your darkness and all the questions, all the challenges, he's saying to you today, friends, you can trust me. He's trustworthy. He's holding all things together. Look at what Paul says back to Romans 8. In verse 22, for we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. All of creation is impacted. Like we would all say, something's not right in the world. A pandemic? Really? We didn't need a pandemic to tell us that. Things are messed up. We're all waiting. It feels like we're waiting on something, like everything to be fixed. And Paul says, exactly. Look at verse 23. And not only the creation, look, he shifts it, but we ourselves. For we, look at this, who, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and daughters and the redemption of our bodies. We're longing for, re for resurrection. That's what's happening in our lives. Could it be that the wanting and the groaning and the waiting is telling us, yes, yes, and yes, this is, this is coming. It's going to happen. We're not there yet. And then it says in verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. 
He said, this is why you were saved. So you would understand and see the story you find yourself in and where it's heading. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes and what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience, with, with patience. If, and that word hope, by the way, is not crossing our fingers. If we know that God is doing this and he's going to ultimately do it, he's sovereign over all things, we wait with patience. Like, Jeff, if you only knew what I was going through. Oh, how can I wait with patience? How can this happen? We live by faith in the waiting because he holds it all together. But I want you to see also, God works all things together. He's at work right now. He cooperates with us to accomplish his will as we cooperate with him. So Paul shifts now our personal lives and he says this to our personal lives. Verse 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Okay, so his spirit actually calling us forward, but helping us along the way as he works all things together. For we do not, we do not know what to pray for, for as we ought. We don't even know how to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. As we abide in him, as we pray and as we walk with him, he guides and leads us by his spirit. There's a special form of cooperation for those of us who are believers. And it's in the form of natural and anthropological and historical systems and all that's happening in the world. So this is where now God, how does this work? He's all sovereign. Am I free? Do I make decisions? All this comes together in a, in a real mystery. As we see him, he cooperates with us. Okay, in natural systems. He cooperates with us in human systems. And he cooperates with us in what I might call moral systems. Okay, let's unpack this for a moment. This is important. First, he, he cooperates us with in, in natural systems. A great place to go here uh, is Proverbs 8. I mean, you think about this. Something as simple as laws of nature, okay, that he's already set in place, uh, like gravity right now. I'm counting on gravity. You're counting on gravity. If he just said no gravity, bam. I mean, that's, that's going to get crazy real fast. And we can't even, you can't make logical decisions without gravity right? I'm going to pick up that glass. Wait, wait a minute. I don't even know what's happening. We can't live without certain laws, natural laws. So he's already, we cooperate with certain natural laws. I believe God, I trust in God. I'm going to jump off this cliff. No, you're probably going to die. Uh, that's, that would be a law in place that's not going to change. Now, God can intercede in these places, okay? But, but in, in Proverbs 8, it's what we see here now is what's known as the teleological argument for God. It's really what we call intelligent design. And so in Proverbs, it's wisdom speaking. This is interesting. Wisdom is speaking. The wisdom of God is speaking. And wisdom, by the way, fellas, wisdom is always female in Scripture. Can I get an amen? Okay. I'm just saying, fellas, listen, listen to her. Wisdom is always in the female. Now look at this. Uh, when he established the heavens, I was there, wisdom. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, he's saying, uh, she is saying here, wisdom is what has done this. By his wisdom, he's, he's made all things. God chooses when life begins. He chooses when life ends. And even on this, on this day where we think about the sanctity of life, God is the one who decides. God, he doesn't make mistakes. You know, you, you might think, or you might, well, she's kind of a mistake. You know, that was not like she, no, 
No child, no one alive is a mistake. And to be pro-life is to be those who focus on all of life, seen and unseen. You can't be pro-life if you're not for uh, the, the unborn all the way to death. God determines when a baby is born. God determines when we die. He's in control of all things. He's intimately involved. I could say it this way. From the womb to the tomb is to be pro-life. And God is pro-life. He's the one who's making it all happen. And he makes no mistakes. Okay, so there's this natural thing going on. But he also works in human systems. And this is a good week to remind ourselves. He works through, yes, even political systems. And, and a lot of us think, how, I don't think God can really, how could he use someone I didn't vote for? He's God. He can do anything. Just as he did four years ago, he's doing now and he'll do four years from now. In fact, in Proverbs 8, it goes there. It says this, by me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. Now there's this, there's this uh, yeah, assumed just government here. So it's not like we don't have opinions and can't you know, talk about those things. But 1 Timothy 2.2 tells us, listen to this. In a very different uh, political system they were in, oppressive political system, it says this, we're to pray and even thank God for kings and all those in authority. That, listen, here it is, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That's how we're going to change the world. By living lives of prayer and godliness and holiness. And some of us are thinking, no, are we supposed to rant and rave against people that don't agree with us? If you're being discipled by your favorite news feed or news channel or social media, whatever, yes. If you're being discipled by Jesus Christ and his word, it means that you're going to live a life that is filled with love, with holiness and, and even quietness, peace. And people are going to see, why are you such a non-anxious presence in this anxious system? Because I trust in the name of the Lord, my God. That's why I'm living differently. That's why Romans 13 tells us that we are to let every person be subject to governing authorities. For, for there is no authority except from God. Those exist are instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists God who's appointed them. And those who resist will incur judgment. So again, this is true 10 years ago, 20, 50 years ago. It would be true 1,000 years ago and 1,000 years from now that we are to say, hey, you know what? I think God maybe, maybe really is in control of all things. It doesn't mean we don't have opinions and express ourselves as believers in the public square, but it means that we trust him in the end. He's at work. And look at this. God cooperates with us as we do with him in moral systems, spiritual systems, I'd call it. And so what you have here, it's like in Numbers 32 is a good place to go where it says, but if you will not do so, this is take free possession of the land in this context here, talking to the people of Israel. Behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And maybe you've heard this before. And be sure your sin will find you out. It's going to happen. We have consequences for our sin. Every one of them. And don't think that you are going to somehow be set free from natural consequences. And parents, this is a good word for you. How do we guide our kids through, through challenges? Natural, okay, I'd call them supernatural, consequences of sin. God's already set these laws in motion. Just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, there are spiritual laws that govern our relationship with God. And the, the ultimate 
consequence of sin, unatoned for, is what we see in Romans 6, 23, right? For the wages of sin, the price of sin is, is death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Set in motion, will not change. If you do not receive Christ as your Lord, you are destined to hell apart from him. It's already set in motion. If you receive Christ and his gift of grace and his sacrifice on the cross, then you will receive life, right? And so his power and his wisdom have created all things. I love this quote from Jacques-Marie-Louis Mansabre. It's a long name. Uh, rector of the cathedral in Notre, Notre Dame said this, if God conceded me his omnipotence for 24 hours, I would make many changes in the world. Amen. But if he gave me his wisdom too, I would leave things as they are. Wow. His all power, all of his power and his wisdom come together. He holds all things together. He works all things together. And we'll close with this. God brings all things together. In verse 28, we know, and this is us, gang, listen, he's not saying, we guess, we're thinking, we're maybe crossing our fingers, we're going to debate about it, we think, I don't know, we, no, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is one of these verses we pull out of context, today in context, not all things are good, it's kind of like baking a cake, I'm not much of a baker, but I do understand, if you do it raw, like you have flour, Okay, you've got raw eggs, salt, I think, sugar, I'm guessing. Now, I doubt you're going to go home and like, man, we're going to have lunch here soon. I'm just going to, I'm going to huff down some flour would be good, right, for lunch. Or just, you know, just a lot of sugar. Now, some of you kids might be, that'd be an awesome lunch. Um, just eat some Skittles, you know, or something, I guess get you there. But, I mean, or like raw eggs, let's go, you know. You don't do that. Not all things are good, but working together, whoo! Let's make a cake today if it's raining later on. Well, how about that? Because then when it all comes together, this is what God does. Not all things are good in your life, but he works all things, whatever you're going through. And this begs the question, are we truly free to make decisions or is God really in control? Am I a robot or do I, I think I have, I'm making decisions all the time, right? Well, I want to I just unpack this. I like to frame it this way. How is it that God is sovereign and we still have free will? I like to begin this way. Okay, with this thought. True love is chosen love, right? You can't love without choice. Like any, any girl in here, a guy comes along and goes, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna be my boyfriend. Come on, I think you're kind of pretty. You're gonna be like, um, what's your name? No, for real, like you love me, right? I think you're gonna marry me. In fact, let's get married. You love me, don't you? And you're like, I mean, you say a lot of things at that point, right? I hope. And then run or whatever. That's not love. Love is a choice. You've got to choose to love someone. So God gives us a choice to love him or not, right? And so here's the theistic set. Here's the problem. If God's all powerful, agreed? He's all powerful. If God is all loving, is he all loving? Yes. And evil exists. That's distinctly a Christian problem, by the way. And the theistic set is that that sets up the problem. Because if God is all-powerful, he could end evil. If he's all-loving, he would want to. He's not loving. He's not all-powerful. And a lot of people go that direction. 
And I think all of us struggle with it at varying degrees. I want us to reframe. I like Alvin Plantinga is a, one of my favorite philosophers, theologians. He helped me with this one. Um, where he said, let's reframe that, the question. Is, can God do anything? Can he create a rock so big he can't move it? I don't think so. Wait, maybe you can. No, maybe. Can he create two mountains with two peaks with no valley in between? Let's reframe the question. God can do, how about the statement, the answer? God can do anything that can be done. Can God create a world where we are significantly free to make choices and choose to love him or not where evil does not exist? Evidently not. Or he would have done so. By his wisdom, by his power, by his love, he's created this perfect world for us to live in so that we might turn to him and love him with all that we've got. Friends, it is time for us to trust in the Lord. He holds all things together. He works all things together and he brings all things together. A.W. Tozer used this analogy of, a, of an ocean liner, he called it, a cruise ship that's moving. You got people on the ship. The captain is gonna get it to the destination. God is moving your life to his end, his destination that he's already planned. It's gonna happen, but the people on the boat, you've got opportunity. I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna eat that. What are you gonna eat? I don't know, let's do, what activity do you wanna be a part of? Let's go to this excursion. You got all these, okay, you're making all kinds of decisions, but you're going to get to where he's leading you because he's sovereign over your life. And this is where we can trust him more and more because he's still at work in your life. And so here's the next verse for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be, here it is, be conformed to the image of his son. The glory of God revealed in us in, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We often take 28 out of context and we forget what is God doing? He's conforming you into the image of Jesus. That's the purpose of your life. Not comfort, not security, not, not pleasure, but to be conformed into the image of Jesus. To the glory of God. Can I get an amen? That's why he's created us, friends, and he is at work in your life right now. And it's why I, I've, I've said before, you know, when, when we get to heaven, look at this in verse 30. Those whom he predestined, he also called. This is it. This is the process. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he's glorified. There it ends again with glorification. The glory of God seen in us, and we're a part of that right now. God is conforming, so work with him. Trust him as you walk through the most challenging seasons of your life, the most difficult days and say, Lord, you're at work in me. You are working. I believe you. I can trust in you. Will you trust him today? It's why I've said it before. I used to think the first, when we get to heaven, I used to think the first response is, wow. I think there'll be a lot of that going on. But I think it's going to be, oh, yes, I get it. Now I fully see it. I understand everything that's happened in my life now. Now it all makes sense. And so gang, listen, our response today is Job's response at the end of the book of Job where he says this in Job 42. I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I just surrender my life to you. Friends, what else can we do? Our response is one of humility, repentance, and surrender. And we thought it'd be really cool to just proclaim this today before we go. 
before you start your week, before you move into the rest of your life, to proclaim what Job proclaimed when he ended with this. Job 42, verse 5 and 6, it says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And that's what I want us to do even now. I want us to pray together and we're going to sing before we go. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me right now. And, and as our crew comes up to get ready to lead us, we're going to proclaim that God holds all things together, that he works all things together, that he brings all things together. Do you believe it today? It's time for you to give your life to him right now fully. You forgot this week that he's in control of your life. And that's what he is speaking in your heart today. And friend, if you don't know him personally, you need to turn to him because there is a law in motion. Your sin has separated you from God. He's holy and he's immutable. He will not change for you. You must change for him. You must turn your heart to him. Like Job, surrender your life to him and say, I repent. I know nothing. You are God and you alone are God. So I give you my life. And all of us together can say it to him even now. Lord, we give you our lives. We praise you for who you are. And we love you. And I want us to do this. Let's all stand right where we are right now. Maybe you at home, let's all just stand. And maybe at home, you might, this might seem weird. Just stand up. Say, Lord, here am I. I'm right here. You told me to stand. I'm going to put on my big boy pants. And I come before you because you alone are worthy of my worship. You hold all things together. Lord, you, you are working in all things. And you are bringing all things together in my life. And I worship you. I will proclaim it today in Jesus' name.